stumps me is how I am not capable of speaking about my book. Well, I only can describe them a little bit, see where they were taken. That's not unusual, though. Yeah, I, I cannot say anything about that. Like I, we were saying at dinner uh, last night, I was talking about Harry Callahan's presentation, and he virtually didn't do anything else. And he really didn't do... Uh, I mean, I think really if the, the photographer uh, gives us the picture, that's enough, in a sense. And it's for someone else. I think it should not be talked. Of course, there are people who wouldn't talk. For instance, I can say a lot about certain Cartier-Bresson photographs. I can point out things he doesn't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, about yeah. someone he, else's photographs. I mean, I can say things he would be astonished to hear, and yet they are there. But these are not my photographs. I think a lot of people, particularly those who, like yourself, are more, let's say, intuitive, Yes, and then photography. One, you see, one does it in pictures. So what? What can one say about? It? Right. If you if you uh, could say it, you'd yeah. be a writer. Exactly. Yeah. So but this is when I discovered this fifth element. This is another reflection. Yeah. yeah. But I have terrific reflection with Lycos, which I have to print. Hmm. Most of this we're looking at is uh, roll flex. That stuff. was the beginning, but I have a very much better photographs. Have, anything that we, have we seen anything that was made with a Leica or is this now all been no, rolled? No, 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 not yet. Okay, so it's not been printed. Oh, so there's... I mean, it was printed, but not in slides. Because so Sander hasn't even come to this. And yeah. uh, so much less is... This is still from Tucson, these ones with the... We have a mask. This is number seven. Jesus, these pictures of Sander are terribly green. Please don't blame that on him. His prints are magnificent. These are my slides yeah. that are just not well, really good. Yeah, his prints are magnificent, but they are too great. This is one of the singers at the... At Sam, Yeah, this decoration is incredible. They always gave me drinks, and they offered me cigarettes, and I said, I don't drink and I don't smoke, and they said, what? <laughs> what are you what doing What are you not doing? <laughs> and then when I had to take a picture, and then when I had to take a picture and climb on the chair, all the bums came and they helped me. And then they gave me a push in the behind and so forth. But they're absolutely marvelous. <laughs> yeah. That was a very, very strange man. You know, that's dangerous face. A little crazy? Not crazy, but I have the feeling this is a criminal, criminal kind of a face. Hmm. Don't you think so? Something odd. It almost looks like it's distorted, like it's elongated, you know. Well, it's taken from underneath, but but terrific singers, you know what singers they were. Hmm. And that, of course, is the sailor and his girlfriend. Too dark, too gray. Now this is a terrible slide, but it's made from a magazine article, which is one of the few yeah. places these were printed. There are much better pictures of my legs than these. Yeah, we have a few, I think, from Sander or somewhere. Yeah, yeah but yeah. There, there's some pictures on there. Now what, what did you feel about McCausland's writing about this? It was almost like a poetic. Well, McCausland wrote so beautifully that I always felt her writing was much better than my photographs. Uh, did you? 
Um, we saw uh, a, a sort of a, a draft version of the of the, the poems and the, the writing that she wrote for that, and I I was curious. Uh, a lot of it sort of sounded like it was first person, like it was you talking, and I wondered if you had talked with her at all about these pictures to give her ideas about it the things It is very possible that I said something about the big city and, and the traffic and the rhythm. And uh, and this is what I'm interested in now, too. <coughs> I took all kinds of pictures of that kind at that time. It is very possible that I said certain things and then she wrote them down. We have some of the others in that article here. Yeah, you see these are pictures running up and running down. And this is an incredible thing in New York, how things are, the energy which is in all these things. Is yeah. This was obviously from the from the lighting in some of these. This, there, was a, there was plenty of light. This must have been a conscious decision to shoot these at a slow enough shutter speed that they're no, that kind I of blurred? No, I did not consciously slow. I didn't have more speed at that time. You know, the thing was 100 years or less than that. And I never so if anybody was moving fast or running, they were going to be blurred? No, I couldn't have possibly. Yeah, so one, one foot is... It's the one is not the other one is... Yeah. A I don't even know this picture anymore. This is... Funny. I have much better ones, oh no, no, I would never print them. Optimo cigars. Mm. No, this is not what I would show you as legs, I have marvelous ones. This, I think this is, uh, either it's printed backwards, I just realized, or this writing is on a, here is backwards. Uh, oh, because that's correct in the It's correct in the reflection, yes. <laughs> Isn't that odd? Yeah, but these are not so hard to see. I have maybe ten very strong ones. Mm -hmm. I think we have some other ones here. For instance, this is a strong yeah, one. Yeah, that one's very nice. It, this is copied from a sander. It's too dark. Yeah. But they are even better than these. There are many more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this has got a much stronger form. Yeah. Shape through and then I have one leg, see, yeah. this is the best. And I have a very elegant woman's leg, which I did for broader wishes, and I can find. This is not so hard. No. No, I wouldn't go for that at all. Pardon me? It's not good for that. Unless you can see the newspaper here, kind no. of like that stuff. It's not enough. Well, that's, you see, this is not, for me, this is already not a picture. How do you mean? This is not a photograph, this is, this is not good. Um, do you mean the way this was reproduced is bad, or do you mean that no. you don't care for this image anymore? I, I don't care for this image at all, because it's not an image at all. It's just a record of something, but nothing else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is from, I think yeah. this is from one of the U.S. cameras, yes, exactly. the music article. Well, this is a little bit better, you see, because you can see these boys, they have four Fs, and they send me over there to photograph the white kids who were drinking orange juice, they were all drunk. They were drink, drinking whiskey. And they, was, they were in a kind of an ecstasy standing there, so that's a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But also not very... Mm -hmm. 
Actually, looking at them in slides is almost better than looking at the page because you can isolate just one. Well, it's still like that. Oh, a little better. You see, this is an assignment. This is not so hard. Yeah. Well, how did did you send these to us, camera? Um, I showed it to them because Harper's turned it out and they paid me. Was it uh, Tom Maloney that uh, Tom Maloney. you work with? Yeah. One, two, then. Yeah, this is the same guy again. You see, I must say now that these are, these are typical assets that were so good. They are not. These are typical assignment photographs. Mm -hmm. This is not, that's not me. Okay, well, well, this is a little bit better. Now, there's three pictures of the same two guys here. Really? Uh, I don't know if these are the actual order they were taken in. Well, it's quite nice illustration for what goes on, but it's nothing more. Mm -hmm. These were the pictures that that uh, letter that uh, Mr. Uh, Knight wrote in saying they couldn't have been candid. No, what else can a picture like that be? The guy must be insane. How yeah. can you pose anything of that kind? It's yeah. not possible. These guys are drunk and they are deeply depressed and they look up for something and listen to the music. How can that not be candid? It's ridiculous. This is Gallagher's, one of the pictures. Gallagher's. Gallagher's. Well, Gallagher's, I have good photographs, that's for sure. But maybe not these. This is, a, this is another U.S. camera uh, article. This is Mrs. Vreeland. Who? Diana Vreeland? This is Diana Vreeland. Oh. And the other guys, I don't know why. No, that is Gallagher's, I think. You see, all the Gallagher pictures I had have to be reprinted because they are all not right, but some of them are very strong. Mm -hmm. It's still very strong. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's one of those. Are the better? This is, pardon me, one of the better? That is in the same. You know, a thing we should ask here, too, that, that in the scene, a lot of your pictures is that what you would think of, or what a, maybe a more conventional photographer would think of as the normal horizontal line is, is tilted. Oh, I always did that. Did you do that consciously, or did it just feel right to you to do did that? Did you do it in the camera, or did you do it when you printed it? I did it in the camera, and I did it in printing when I wanted to. And some of them I tilted too much. It's like his, his arm is straight here, but the... <laughs> that doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't feel tilted in a funny way. That's the curious yeah, thing. Some of them have a very kind of logic to that, and then some of them really feel... Off balance, but often yes, it's really strong. I have done some of them off balance because I was tired to make all these pictures and I tried to do them in a different way. Mm -hmm. Then I feel that if I would print them now, I would print them in a different way. Mm -hmm. that's, that's boring. Did you ever uh, print any tilted for an assignment and then have the editor crop them back straight? I did, darling, when something really went wrong and it was so boring that I had to do something about it for Harper's Bazaar, never for myself. Yes, I had to do it in one picture. I will tell you which one. Oh, it's pretty good. The vulgarity of Broadway. Pardon me? <laughs> the vulgarity of Broadway. Uh, looks a little like one of the gamblers, almost. It has a mouth kind of look. Built-in cigar. Number 29. See this for instance, these are gangsters, they cannot be any dark. <laughs> I mean, this is a mafia. Yeah. Yeah, they certainly look like it. <laughs> yeah, I believe you. <laughs> these are good assignments, but not more. Yeah. I couldn't find in these 
places my forms and my shapes. <coughs> Even if some of them were my forms and shapes, mm -hmm. they couldn't come through. Mm -hmm. But I have much better pictures than these. These are only published. There are many others. Mm -hmm. I have to go through that. Yeah. But I would never print it. Just another one. Kind of. oh, this old guy with this blonde glamour. Yeah. <laughs> kind of crazy. There's another one with a kind of a tilt. I don't know where that is. What that this is. is still uh, Gallagher's, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but there's no tilt. It's straight. Hmm. Well, maybe it's just looking up at an angle. What the hell? I never took a picture of that kind. <laughs> a waitress, I think. It's no good then. Yeah, no. This one is better. But yeah. these pictures I don't consider. Okay, well, that's good to know. Here's a, I think this is the last one of the Gallagher's. These are some that's not. Let me give this tape recorder a, a short kick. It wants to whistle to us. Do you have more? Yes, I have just a few more here. You know, you can throw that out because I. But what I see here, I wouldn't... Well, we have... And that is a depressing thing about assignments, you see. That later on you don't... You don't agree with them when you take them, you don't agree with them when they're printed, you don't agree with them when you look at them. We have just a few more here, and then maybe we can go to go to dinner or something. would be yeah. the best thing to do. Would you? Did you ever, did you feel that uh, sometimes like an assignment might have been a, a nuisance or that the pictures that they published weren't, weren't the best or weren't oh, very good? But never, never. But, but did you, in addition to that, did you feel that, that uh, you had learned something that you might carry onto a personal assignment of your no, own? No, just the opposite. That this kind of a way of photographing was not my way of photographing because I really not, I'm not a reporter. And these are reportage. And that I really am not a reporter in the sense that I have to go and find my subject, wherever it may be. You see, that I can't go on photographing a place in order to show the situation of a place and the character of a place, if it isn't like in the sunny spot where I could find several very strong personalities which I could do. That wherever I started to illustrate something, because this was, and this is Galagas and this is sunny spot, this is not my field, really. I could do it, but it wasn't the strongest I can do. You see, this is a reportage that was made for a U.S. camera, and a sign. Mm -hmm. This is still from that. There's a lot of pictures in that article. Yeah, at that time I tilted everything because it bored me. To not tilt The it. photographs bored me, and I tilted. It's nothing. It's a good reportage, but nothing else. Nothing else. I wouldn't sign this photograph. Where is this? It's just in order to show what kind of this is all about. It's nothing. Yeah. It's really a lot of these. I hadn't realized how many of these there are. Uh, yeah, that was a big That was a big spread. article. A lot of little pictures. Do you remember what oh. you got paid for that? For the Very little. That's a strange picture of myself. 
Yeah, this is when your hair was one color. Uh, it was not. The hair was dyed. Yeah. But I definitely didn't look like that. Do you remember when that was made? Yes, it was made in the 40s, yeah, but through the flashman. Yeah, it was that, I got that from um, Harper's. Yeah. You see, the thing is, is, I never looked that way in my life. Do you remember who made the photograph? Is it Trudy Fleshman? Yeah. Oh. But it's not me. What are these other... Uh, oh, I know, we have some other things. This is a... Well, this one is better. What I have with this one. Todd Well. Yeah. This was better. This is... When, when would that have been made? During the 50s? Probably. Yeah. And we have a few... But I retouched it, I can tell you that. You did? Sure. You know how to retouch? I mean, I, I retouch it with spot on. I'm a terrific retoucher. Oh, on uh, prints? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We have a few other things here that are kind of uh, different, that aren't, aren't your photographs, that, uh, that I thought... Yeah, well, see, this is this is a, the portrait of Schoenberg. That's terrific. That is the greatest portrait man Ray ever did. Because if you would know Schoenberg, you would know that this is a man and what he went through. And I'm going to give you tomorrow this speech. It's not to be believed. You see the 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 passion and the glow and the bitterness and power that is Schoenberg. Those eyes are just amazing. Incredible. Mm -hmm. And this is of course. This great fighter and what he did. Yeah, and then I have some of. Uh, this is one of Schoenberg's self-portraits. Really, I never saw that. <coughs> this is. Saw that. This is. Uh, it's very interesting. Frontispiece for a uh, an edition of uh, Girl Leader that's been recently published. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's of course him. I can see. I've never seen that. Yeah. It wasn't in his apartment at that time. Yeah, and then there's a couple other things. These are very bad slides of the illustrations. What of is that? These are, this, is, this is some other sketch of his. But it's a very bad, it's a little teeny illustration I made the slide of. Interesting. And of course it was, the original was in color. It's fascinating. There's one other. Oh, this is, this is a uh, slide. Is, this is a portrait of, uh, this is... Alban Berg. A Berg, yeah. Yeah. He painted it? Schoenberg Alban painted this, yeah. No, no, Alban Berg was one of the most handsomest and unbelievably beautiful man I've ever seen. He looked like Dorian Gray, and, or, you know, like Oscar Wilde when he was absolutely at his magnificent. He was unbelievably beautiful, and tall, and elegant. And his wife was the legitimate daughter of the emperor of Franz Josef. <laughs> Very beautiful woman. And then uh, I have just two things that are don't have any relation to photography particularly, except that I thought they might interest you. They are, uh, you've probably heard of the idea, you know, of drawing, of visual music, of drawing yeah. the music, you know, yeah. preparing the score yeah. as a drawing. Yes. And, well, uh, what do you do? And that is not true, that could be. No, no, no. This is, this is yeah. Frederick Sommer. Is that Frederick Sommer? Who yeah. did this, so another one of his interests. But, but that has been done since 1920 or 1922. I just thought to, to put music into visual science. I thought you might be interested just to simply see sure, it. I have sure. I have one other also. These were drawings that he showed me that I made slides of when I was out there. They're kind of interesting. Uh, I have no idea what a person would think of them from a musical standpoint, but I, well, they're kind of nice as lines. Yeah, from musical standpoint, I don't know. But you see this, I have seen it taken in movies in the form of light, and that is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. 
I don't know how he did that. These are are these from long pieces or are these just This is the entire score. But you know you certainly did a magnificent job. So. But you should of course have slides of pictures differently than Gallagher's and and these Nick Snide cups. These assignments these assignments are very weak. Yeah, these are just things we yeah. we were able to find. Yeah. We weren't we weren't able to find that much. It's very difficult to find a good good prints of your work. Yeah. They don't exist. Yeah. Well, that was very interesting, but I think you have to have much more and much, many different things. Well, we we're working we on that. We understand. Well, I have to. You see, Sander has to print it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He has to make eighty prints until March, and then to print my whole collection, and then he has to print. Because if he prints now, the land situation, uh -huh. that is very bad because then he cannot print very much. But he has to make 40 prints and altogether 80 prints. And we have to select them. Yeah, well, this is. Uh, but when I see all these things, I have a tremendous need to go out and take new pictures and to see what I do now. Mm -hmm. You know, because who knows what one sees now? I do not know that. Maybe something entirely different. It's a wonderful job she did. No question about it. Shall we go to dinner? Oh yes, of course. Dave, why don't you take this? I'm going to take my boots, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Just move this out there. Yeah, sometimes you are speaking very softly, but... Well, normally this uh, recorder is good enough that it will probably pick you up, but it's doing this tea kettle number. It's whistling like a tea kettle. I think it's from being banged around. Uh, hit this way, right? Well, it was hit this way, uh, yes, for sure. Yeah, you want to you you hit it this way? Yeah, let's try this. Well, if it was hit that way, so we should hit it <laughs> from this way. I should hit it from this way. Yeah. Well, we have to get some food in your stomach. So we can... Nothing for a hundred years. You just until all that suddenly one has a thing. Let's get out and do something else. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. I wish this recorder were happier, but it is not. Mm -hmm. Oh, not well. It works fine. It's just it's irritating to us. It'll work fine.
questions are you now going to ask me? Well, I'm trying to figure that out exactly. Well, are we, are we, well, we got a few. Are we into, we're into this. Okay. Well, well, yes. Should we look inside? Let's let us look like over now. Let's let's do well. I know. I think this is a thing we can talk about in a in a uh, uh, modern sense too. Okay. About uh, Specifics. Yeah, and, and, you know, sort of. You see, all the furniture you see here comes from the street. <coughs> oh, really? Absolutely everything. <coughs> this is a door. The chairs I picked up. <coughs> yeah. God knows what. <coughs> My sister sent me this cover here, and I said to myself, she must be really crazy, because what I'm going to do with that. <laughs> yeah, huh? it's very useful. This kind of weather, it's a... She's living in, in Denver? Denver. <laughs> did she yeah. ever photograph, did she ever pursue uh, photography? She's a terrific scientific photographer. Worked in hospitals in Paris and in Caracas. Cancer hospitals has invented many things in scientific photography. <coughs> she's, she's married? No, and she also is an excellent, uh, a wonderful color photographer mm. and portrait photographer. And also she um, makes enormous abstract murals and sells them to architects and all kinds of things. Photographic? <coughs> <thing? coughs> then she photographs big collections of um, pre-Columbian art. You see things like this in gold and in jade and things like that. She's really a photographer. If she's done medical photography, she would have to have personal color for that. Yeah. She knows everything. She was extraordinary as a, as a medical photographer. <coughs> so does she still go by the name Cyber then? Yeah. Um, you know, I had a question. We were just walking back, and you were saying how you, you walk a little <laughs> every night, you know. And I just uh, had a question if you felt um, that there was a problem living in the city, if you felt afraid to... Uh, to go out with the camera, for example. I understand Cortez is <coughs> kind of afraid to have a camera and fear that someone will just try and steal it from him, you know. But you see, when I go out of this house, and when I come back to this house, maybe ten blocks distance, nobody has ever seen a camera on me. I don't photograph in this neighborhood generally, and it's always in the back, and that from the beginning. Uh-huh. <coughs> so that nobody comes around and sees me with a camera and follows me and things like this. And of course, uh, it is dangerous to have a camera, maybe, but nothing has ever happened. It's much more dangerous, I think, in Italy and in Europe, in Rome and Milano. The problem upset? You just rip the bags off your shoulders. Yeah. They come with a motorcycle or with a basket and they rip it off. <coughs> <coughs> yeah. 
I would like to photograph in Rome, but I don't think I would have the courage to do it now. You need a bodyguard, huh? Well, I wondered. I had a couple. We had a couple questions here that kind of on the general heading of survival. <laughs> Although a lot of what we said is under that heading, I suppose. And um, one of the other questions I had was: uh, did, Is there was there ever a point where you considered getting a job that's completely outside of photography? No. Never crossed your mind, uh, really. No. <clears throat> what could that have been? The languages I can't do anything. I'm not a typist. I'm not a stenographer. It didn't occur to me that such a thing was possible. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very little, because it was not satisfactory. Just when you paint, and you can put on any kind of a color you want, and suddenly you have a Kodak film there, and you have to do what they consider color. This is not so hard. Besides, I would have to change my whole subject matter, because, for instance, you are not a color photograph. <coughs> I am, to a certain degree, red and blue and white. You see, but this is not color for me, it's not for me. Mm -hmm. So when I take a color photograph, then I have to direct myself by the color and not by the subject. That would become a completely different way of photographing, which one day I may do. You, but have you done some? I've done some on assignment in Venezuela, you see, mm -hmm. but it was not satisfactory at all. We were we were curious as to what uh, what you think about the color work in, in general. Uh, obviously, you feel there are these limitations for you. Um, there are a number of people, good photographers no, working I, in color. I, Helen Levitt comes to mind. Um, uh, a lot of her work is in color. Um, I haven't seen enough. How is her work in color? There was an issue of Aperture about a year ago. Yeah, it had some of her things. There were streets of New York, uh, children. And Very nice, uh, actually. That was similar to some of her black and white work that I'd seen, but in color. And uh, I'm kind of biased against color, personally. The way it is now, but not the way it could be. And then when it comes to code or color, you can, by enlarging, change a lot of tones. That's already much better. That could be already much better. It's very difficult very long, very difficult. You have to work in complete darkness. You have to have the temperature of all the liquids the same. This is not very possible here. Oh, yeah. yeah technically, it's a mess. Yeah. In other words, I would be all for color. I've seen once in the ICP, mm -hmm. new color. I don't know who did it, Haas or <coughs> somebody, uh -huh. with very, very strong colors in green and yellow and red. And that would have been rather something I would have been interested in. I would have to really dedicate myself for a certain time to color, and I may do it. Yeah. Mm. But not right now. Yeah, I guess it does take a certain kind of reading.
re-educating yourself, thinking some things. And then the subject matter would be different because I would say, now here these walls, that is color. Mm -hmm. This is color. Because it's pastel colors. And these um, grays and beige and so forth, it's just impossible. Yeah. Have you ever worked with Polaroid? No, I wish I could. I could. You, you'd like to work with Polaroid? No, it's terribly expensive. It's a film. You gotta write to them and tell them you'd like to work with it. <laughs> they might give you some. Yeah, but then they want to have the photographs. Yeah, you know, to get them all. <laughs> some An Ansel seems to do pretty well with that. He, uh, Ansel? That's true, yeah. Yeah, see, he, well, he got in at the beginning. He's, I guess he's a good friend of uh, Ed yeah. Land's, and uh, he's been uh, their official uh, tester since One. 1948 yeah. or something. Yeah. And uh, I think he gets a lot of free uh, Polaroid materials, and uh, certainly yeah. Polaroid gets some prints, but uh, yeah. Well, he all. writes about it. He promotes it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <coughs> yeah. But they have a lot of, uh, they have a big collection of different photographers who... Well, I'm, I'm sure that one can do marvelous things. Yeah. There's one woman in Boston, what is her name? Marie Cosindas. Yeah. I think she has done very beautiful things. Would you like to work in the Polaroid color? Yeah. And that's terribly expensive for film. Oh, I have a lot to do, what you see. Many, many things. Then I also would like to find out a way of combining black and white photographs and in a way coloring them. But I've never seen anything in my life that was satisfactory and I also cannot figure out how that can be done. Have you seen some of the work no. that has been done? No, but I always wanted to do it for 20 years. And then you see, if I would do that, then people would see that my photographs are not gloomy. They are not at all on the seamy side. That the kind of color I would put on would be very, very bright. Have, have you ever seen uh, at Light Gallery the work of uh, a fellow named Carl Toth? No. Well, he does the black and white pictures that he hand colors. Um, maybe if you if you go up that way, you should stop it and ask them to show you some of those things and see what you think of them. Because he's just really uh, coloring the way you would use spot tone, only much more tedious, but the effect is very interesting. And, but I do not want to see what other people are doing. Well, I mean, just from a technical standpoint, to see how he did it, you know. Um, and what kind of colors are there? Are they transparent? The colors, it, it almost looks like a colored photograph, except it doesn't quite. You know, it's a little bit, the color's too controlled looking. They are transparent colors. They're, they're dyes. In other yeah. words, they're transparent, they're and the black and white kind of a situation comes through. The tonalities are the same, but the colors are added. Now how about all the kind of details and so forth that come through? Yeah, yeah, it's very, very well done, and I just. And what colors are that? Every color, uh, they, they, you know. They're special colors. There, oh, I think that. I'm not sure just exactly what he uses, but I have a. I can find out very easily. Yeah, I have a set of dyes that's that's made to spot um, regular color prints. There are about eight, fourteen, sixteen different colors, <clears throat> and you can you can mix them just like watercolors. There. It's a pretty good range of uh, essentially like water things. It's, it's what are they called? <coughs> are they Marshall? Are they flexochrome? I think the ones I have are Marshalls. Yeah. And they're maybe the set's probably when I bought it, it was ten dollars. It's probably fifteen dollars for the set. But the, I just the reason I just suggest this person's work is simply because 
It's technically very refined. What is the name? His name is Toth. <coughs> Toth? T-O-T-H. He's a Czechoslovakian name. He's an American, but Carl Toth. Toth. And he's from, well, he's, he's now teaching in Michigan. That's how I met him. They would have some of his work, I think, uh, in a drawer somewhere. I have to go there anyhow. Yeah, I would like to see that Just because asking, yeah. this is a desire I have. And if you, if you like the technique of what he does, yeah. I could find out more details that for would you be nice if you thing. would want. Yeah. But, uh, but only if you want, I wouldn't want The technique I wouldn't want. For me, it's the color. Yeah, well, the nature <laughs> of the, the method that he used. The color technique, yeah. yeah. I mean, the way he photographs is completely different than anything you want to do on them, I suspect. I don't know if you would even like his pictures, but... Uh, well, that's not necessary. That's a different issue, yeah. yeah. Have you ever, uh, <clears throat> just to run down all these kind of technical things, have you ever tried infrared film? I had to. For instance, I tried infrared film in um, Venezuela when I had to photograph the oil wells in the ocean near Maracaibo. Well, it's a kind of a fog which is there. You see constantly coming up from the heat. It's so enormous, you don't see anything. So you have to photograph through the fog. That is when I photographed with infrared, and then also a lot of scenes in Venezuela I photographed in infrared. It's very interesting. Now people photograph infrared. Uh, all these people in uh, Providence, they photograph bodies and nudes uh, with infrared, which are very beautiful. The skin texture is extraordinary. One can do very beautiful things. I'm wondering if we could uh, depart for a second and talk a little bit about this thing you did in Venezuela, because you said you were invited by the government. Yeah. Just to make a note about that, it was in 1953 or four. four. I was How invited. When well, my sister lived in Venezuela, you see, uh -huh. and was working in this hospital, and um, they invited many photographers over there. They had, first of all, they hoped that these photographers would publish in, in America, and America wasn't at all interested in Venezuela at that time. And then <coughs> there was somebody coming over from Venezuela and met me, somebody from the government, a woman who worked with the Minister of Defense or something like that. And she felt that I should really do a job over there and then maybe try to sell it here, but rather to photograph uh, Caracas and Venezuela for them. In the meantime, when I came there, I found out that they had the most extraordinary photographers in Venezuela I've ever seen. Mm. And there were simple uh, documentary photographers and newspaper photographers. They take the most marvelous portraits of me anybody has ever taken, the newspapers. Hmm. And so I was invited to come over there, and it would have been fascinating if I could have stayed eight months or ten months or a year, because transport, uh, that was a moment when Caracas was completely destroyed and, and newly built up. Would they have an earthquake? No, no, no. The old city could not combine the skyscrapers and all the modern architecture. So this kind of a guy, Jimenez, I don't know what, the president was, he, de he decided to destroy the city. It was like a bombarded city. Every day you found a geographical kind of an indication where you have to go to your job, otherwise you couldn't find it anymore. And that was the time when I came there. So the new was not built up yet, and the old wasn't disappeared. It was unbelievable. But I did uh, a lot of things for them photographing the new buildings, photographing this and this, and hospitals, and, and Maracaibo, and the oil wells, and, and I couldn't stay there more than four or five months after all, I had a husband here. Mm -hmm. And they always said, put the matter with you, what's the hurry? Get the husband over. <coughs> <laughs> yeah. 
we give you a house, we give you this, we give you that. And the government just paid for the whole... Absolutely. Well, that was no question. You stayed with your sister? Yes, I did stay with my sister, but the trip was paid and everything. The trips were paid, everything was paid. I could have lived there forever. Did they... Do you still have the, the negatives and so on from that? Oh, yes. Mm. Amazing. Uh, the, this, was this something your sister had initially suggested to someone that yeah, came out, or yeah. how did it? Uh, they needed photographers. They wanted to have propaganda in the, uh, from from here. My sister may have suggested, but then of course you have to send over to the government your write-ups and your credentials and what you have done and who you are and the things that came out there. You cannot imagine. You see, when you are invited by the government, of course you are received officially at the airport and all that, and. The questions asked by, by these reporters, how many thousand photographs do you intend to make? <laughs> thousand, two thousand, four thousand, five thousand? Well, I don't know. Now, say one thing. So you say two thousand. <laughs> then when I went to Maracaibo, you see I had also write-ups from the new school and all that. I was, of course, professora, professora. And then when I was in Maracaibo, they simply declared that I was a director of the Museum of Modern Art. Is that how you introduced? That's what they thought I was, and it was written in the newspaper. <laughs> and that was then I had to Did put my... Did you write and tell Steichen that? <coughs> hmm? Did you write and tell Steichen that? <laughs> but you see that I had put my foot down. All the misinformation, all the crazy things they wrote. And so they don't give a damn. <laughs> in Venezuela, they have your right age, but they think you were the Museum of Modern Art. <laughs> and you see, the thing is, then they told me there is a very interesting woman there you have to photograph, Mrs. Bouton Botome. And I said, well, don't come now with a millionaire, that's the last one I'm going to photograph. And there, were, there I was wrong. Because what I wanted to photograph, nobody could show me. My sister is a completely different kind of a photographer, and she was working in a hospital, and the whole city was destroyed, and I didn't know how to direct myself. And this was a woman, of course, whom I met when I left, who could have got me all over Venezuela. And it was very difficult to get a car, because there were no, not enough cars and the city was destroyed. But finally, the Minister of Defense gave me a car, you see, with a chauffeur. Otherwise, you, you I... Drive no, I don't drive. And that was already better. But what I could have done if I would have known that from the beginning, instead of, of searching, you see, that's the whole situation. It was very interesting, and and uh, people very elegant and very fascinating. And that's uh, wow. Are there any other photographers that you know of that, that also went down there and did that for the government? I have no idea. I think so from Standard Oil. Mm -hmm. From Standard Oil. It's just because it seems it seems kind of crazy because to, uh, to go to Venezuela. Out of, I mean, out of the blue, almost. You know, it's like no, no, no. It's it's not you see, they were very much interested to have American photographers coming over, photograph over there, bring it over there, publish it over there, have connections over there, and nothing really happened. I cannot say that nothing happened because, after all, uh, I had a run-in with Standard Oil because I told Striker about it, and he stole one of my ideas, and he sent. A standard oil photographer to this fantastic painter, uh, Reveron, who had all these voodoo dolls and this fantastic surrealistic house with all these crazy things. And uh, he took this idea away from me. And then when they came and they uh, had an exhibition of all kinds of things, um, they wanted to sell theirs, but Vogue 
about man and so forth. It was a whole story about it. Ah. Standard oil was interested. You see, I photographed over there in connection with Standard Oil, in connection with their Standard Oil, then the English oil situation, which I've forgotten what name it was. And... Getty or somebody? I, I, I don't remember. Then, of course, I wanted to photograph the Indians, and that was not an easy thing. Yeah, here's the, this, is, this is the photograph of the... Uh, yeah. Of the yeah, of one of the photographs of the voodoo dolls. Yeah. And you know that this is a strange kind of a story, because when I was there, I heard about the painter Reveron, who came from a very wealthy Venezuelan family, and he had married an Indian from the jungle. Oh, really? And this Indian from the jungle was a magnificent kind of a woman, a little kind of a woman. I photographed her a great deal. And, and she was his manager. <laughs> That's a very good copy. It's a remarkably good copy. Yeah. And I heard about it that he had a house in the jungle in the south of Venezuela, of Caracas, and a complete surrealistic kind of a crazy man he must have been. And I wanted to go there, and I wanted to go there, and the chauffeur always said, you can't go there, this is impossible to pass by. And finally, Reveron died. Mm. And I said to myself, my God, damn it, this is the only thing I want to photograph. And I said, dead or not dead, I'll go there, and I really went there. And when I came there, there was a hurricane announced, but I went there. So he had, for instance, the following things. There was a garden, and there are many cages with, with birds. And then you saw in the trees and in all kinds of things also birds. But these birds were cut out by him in paper. Mm. You didn't know the difference between these birds and those birds. Then you came into the kitchen, and there were faucets. And one faucet was a faucet, and the other faucet was a silver paper faucet, but you, you didn't know which was which. And then we are already in, uh, in one row for the museum, all these enormous dolls, maybe 10 or 12, and all the children of the dolls. And she had made the dolls, and he had painted them. You see. And then there was a stairway, which was papier-mâché, and you want to walk in and up, and then there was a figure hanging there. In other words, the whole thing was completely surrealistic. And I missed when the man was there and when they lived together, but the woman was extraordinary. I have a couple of very beautiful photographs of her. And people brought him canvases and canvases and canvases and canvases. He got all the awards. But he painted a newspaper. And all the canvases were hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> so that was, for instance, a very interesting scene. And then, of course, uh, Indians, which I couldn't photograph as fast because you couldn't get there. You could only get there by helicopter. And finally, after several months, where I couldn't get here and I couldn't get there, and the streets were destroyed here. And then I read a book in Venezuela written by an American woman, wife of a geologist, and she was exactly describing the people of Caracas the way I wanted to photograph them. You said, people in the street, is not easy to photograph. You can't go in houses. They retreat immediately. So I got them government papers with a permission to photograph. That was the worst you can have. They see a government paper and they run. And then I said, where is this woman? And they said, she's not anywhere in Caracas. And then came a strange coincidence. When these pictures were published, somebody called me up and said, you know, I have seen pictures by you of Venezuela, including these things. 
And I still write in the Caracas newspaper. They were the only pictures I've ever seen which were really Caracas and really that. And can I have these pictures? I would like to write about it. And then she said her name, and the name was Cayman K. And when she hung up, I said, God damn it, that was the woman with the marvelous book. I wanted to walk around. And I had forgotten where she lived and what, and I called the Venezuelan consulate, and I said, where does this woman live? And I called her up, and I said, you were the one who should have guided me in Venezuela. And she said, I would have loved to guide you in Venezuela. But then came also this Madame Bouton Batome, this millionaire who had introduced the women's vote and all the kind of uh, phenomenal social conditions. And she and I, we got along marvelously, and that was too late, because she could have. What was her name? Uh, Bouton, Bouton Bultone, one of the richest families. It's a hyphenated last name. And she got, I don't know, Bultan, Bultan Bortome, and she got the decoration of the UN for the South and North American situation. So, can we, do you know this spell? Can you spell? You know, I don't remember. She And then she died very young. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, that is a name, yeah. Bulton Bartone. So for once, I made a mistake by not going first to the millionaires. <laughs> yeah. And it was altogether very fascinating. But in order to photograph in Venezuela, you have to stay ten, three times longer than in other countries because no railroad, no information. Everything is done by the government. For instance, a woman came to me, the assistant of the Minister of Defense who had invited me to come. And she said, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, you have an audience with the minister, such and such and such. Yeah. Nobody comes. Three weeks later, at 6 in the morning, out of bed, the minister is waiting for you. That's, that's Venezuela. It's crazy. And you have to get used to all these garden things. So it was interesting, but I suppose it's a, it's a similar situation to when you came to the United States. It took you what a year and a half, two years to get to a point where you could yeah, photograph. Yeah, but over there it's not too difficult. Only completely crazy. For instance, somebody invites you for dinner, says I come and and call for you for dinner at nine o'clock, and doesn't appear. Then you pass by a couple of cafes, and there are these people sitting who wanted to invite you for dinner, and one goes over and says, Well, what's the matter? Well, you see, we were a little bit tired. Could we invite you another time? And my sister said, you know, that's normal here. When you're invited at 7 o'clock, you have to have the tact to come at 10, not at that's, 7. That's Spanish. Well, there you are. You never show up when the invitation is for. The invitation so, is always early and you always show up. So that was a little bit difficult, but I did an, a big job. But the job was rather for the government and not for myself. And I met a Spanish marquis over there who was a painter, and I told him that. And he said, a real artist doesn't work like that. They invited you, but you do what you want. Well, I didn't want to do that. Did they, since they were try, running this program to, to try and get American photographers to kind of push Venezuela and do what you call propaganda, were they, did they try to meddle with, the, with your pictures and control oh, what you Oh, definitely. For instance, home? I had this chauffeur with me. And he was 
walking with me. You see, it was pretty dangerous to go to certain places, break my neck. <coughs> that was not permitted. This was not permitted. Poor people couldn't show. Mm. All kinds of things you could not show. That is, that is not good for the government. This kind of a buildings, but not these old houses and so forth. Then yeah. I had to photograph the whole government, with the exception of the president, because at that time something happened between the United States and with Venezuela, but that was very bad. The president did not want to be photographed then by me because he was offended. Seems like that. But in order to photograph Venezuela, you have to stay there for two years. There's no question. But I did quite well for them. I worked the whole winter on the prints and sent them over to them. And uh, they wanted me, of course, to make an exhibition in America. Nobody was interested. Because when they invited me, I went to all kinds of magazines and newspapers. And I said, would you like me to do this? Would you like me to do that? Nobody was interested. Nobody cared about Venezuela? It's kind of the beginning of a fairly isolationist uh, period of American uh, I don't know what that was. thought at that point. Standard Oil said, yes, of course, bring them back. And then they assigned their photographers to do what I had done. And they sent them to Venezuela? Sure. Wanted them to photograph that, and they did. <coughs> who, did who did they send? Did they send Ed Roskamp? I don't know, darling. It was a photographer who sent over, and I went over there and raised hell. I said, it's absolutely disgusting. You know, they sent somebody I knew. And then when I talked to him, he was really completely innocent. He had just been sent to do something. It wasn't Ross Cam, though, because I know he's just fluent mm -hmm. in Spanish. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Uh, it was a little incident, just nothing yeah. special. And you know the interesting thing is, when I came there, they started to take a movie of me. There you will see how I am. Mm -hmm. And wherever I went, there was, not wherever, but many places I went, there was always this movie taken. Huh. And then they sent me the movie, and I have never looked at it. Never? Have it? Do you have it? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, 16 millimeter? Uh, yes, six, I don't know what it was. But I have it and I've never looked at it. Oh, we'll have to well. bring a projector. I'd love to see it. Would you like to see it sometime? Oh, no, I've always refused to see this movie. Now I may look at, to myself very beautiful, you see, because it was in 1954. Oh, I'm sure you will. <coughs> I had no courage to see this movie. Well, we'll bring a projector and we'll look at it. And you don't have to look at it. And then we'll, we'll tell you. We'll tell you if you'd like it. When I left, also I was photographed. When I came, I got the flowers. When I left, they had a tremendous evening for me. With flowers and flowers, and I couldn't take a single flower with me. This is prohibited. You, you can't bring it uh -huh. in the United States because mm -hmm. of all the agricultural laws. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so, speaking of films, just uh, I was thinking this. Did you ever see the film that Bernice was in? It was called Women in Photography, and it was Bernice and Margaret Burke White and Ruth Nichols and Tony Frizzell, and it's. Uh, so it's a short film, 12 minutes long or something. And it shows all these people doing different things, you know. The new spoo wants to make a movie out of me.
Well, I don't know. How long did your, uh, did your sister remain in Caracas? My sister remained 13 years in Caracas. And you know, the funniest thing how she got there, because there's nothing to do with me, she was an excellent photographer in the hospitals in Paris. And also the way she came there was unbelievable. That the way was, she got to Paris? No, so she was in Paris and they starved to death during the war, but literally starving, you know. And somebody said to her, have you ever photographed in hospitals and scientific things? And she said, yes. She's not a liar, but she said, yes. That's a question of life and death. Yeah. And she went there and they gave her things to do and she didn't have the slightest idea how it was quick done. Learning, I guess. Yeah. And she didn't even know how to put a film you know, this kind of scientific, I don't know what kind of things you have to take up. <coughs> so she worked and worked and put lights in. She's very inventive. And that went on for one week and two weeks and three weeks. And one day, she, one said to her, the, the old professor such and such wants to see her, one of the greatest pathologists. And she said, well, that's it. She's going to be fired. So she comes into his room and he said, Mademoiselle, he said, Look at this book made by a Swedish scientific photographer and tell me how you like that. And she looked at it and didn't understand what the hell he had done. And she said, well, I think it's very good. And the old guy said, good? A person like you can say that this is good? This is nothing. You are the dream, the, the answer of all my dreams. We too, we are going to do the greatest things. She had done everything wrong, <laughs> everything upside down. She had put floodlights into it. She had put this kind of lights, and she had tried this. She had tried this. She didn't know what. Completely against the rules, and she had done fantastic things. But to hear her tell that, she said she almost fainted. This is this is the same. This is a parallel to your story. You, you didn't know it was. You didn't feel. That yeah, but strongly. she was. She was an excellent photographer, scientific photographer, the field. So that happened to her. And then when she came to Venezuela, it's really nothing to do with this interview. There was a famous kind of murderer in Paris who was not a murderer. I don't know if you ever have heard this terrific story of the Dr. Bougras. That was a man who was a famous physician and a very rich one. And one day, uh, a patient came to him and he gave him the wrong injection and the patient died and he was scared to death, and somebody came and he put the corpse into the closet, and then more the corpse was in the closet, more terrifying it was, and this man had a kind of an attaché uh, briefcase. briefcase with an enormous amount of money in. Ah. And then the wife of this physician wanted to divorce him, and she found the corpse, and she found that, and she went to the police, and the man was arrested, and he was condemned to lifelong imprisonment in the islands of the devil, you know, devil's island. Yeah. But he was innocent. This was uh, the French uh, penal colony? That uh, was French in Gala. France in 1933 or something like this. And everybody, when he left on the ship, all the journalists, everybody knew that that man was not guilty. He had no reason to do that. He was a very wealthy man. But he was condemned and he went away. And he escaped. And he escaped to Venezuela, swimming in, in a little boat, which only one in a thousand can do. All the others drowned, eaten up by crocodiles, I don't know what. 
And there is a law, it was a law in Venezuela, if some, if a prisoner or a murderer reaches Venezuela, he is free and can make a new life. I knew a couple of murderers over there. And he just arrived and there was a yellow fever. And all the physicians, all the nurses ran away. And he took over. And though he became a citizen, a very honored citizen, he was decorated and he stayed there. And every year when the French boats came, he wanted to go on the boat and go back to Paris and prove that he was innocent. And they held him back like that because once on the French ship he was in prison again. And my sister's friend with whom she went to Venezuela in Paris, she wanted to go to Venezuela because her mother was there. And it was this Dr. Bougra who made her come and, and gave her the job as a scientific photographer. Oh. Isn't that a funny story, no? Yes. And just when I was there, I couldn't photograph him because he wasn't there. Oh, that's an interesting story. It is. It's nothing to do with me, really. No, it's interesting. It's like that, um, the book in the movie, Papillon. Yeah, right.